Hello, do you like New Japan Pro Wrestling? Are you a Shin Nihon freak? If so, check out the Super Jcast with Joel and Damon on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. And even if you fucking hate New Japan Pro Wrestling, listen to the Super Jcast anyway. Not just for our great show reviews, analysis, and pastrami sandwiches, mm-hmm. but there's also usually some dick jokes somewhere in the obligatory opening 30 minutes of absolute nonsense we chat about every single week. That's the Super Jcast for all the best talk about New Japan Pro Wrestling, crisps, and pornography. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Welcome to Jumping Bomb Audio. Bomb Audio, the number one show all about the world of Joshi Pro Wrestling. My name is Taylor, and I am joined as always by my good friend and co-host Kelly, who is coming to us this week from a brand new laptop. Yeah, it's brand new, and I've got a touch screen now. I didn't realize that when I was buying it, so that's fancy. Wow, that's uh, now I, I, I sound... I sound different apparently. I can I can use my fingerprint to like unlock the computer. It's it's crazy. You have a little bit more at least on my end. It feels like you got a little bit more bass to your voice. Feel a little bit more regal. Wow. Um, but I don't know. Once I edit this, maybe you'll sound exactly the same. Who's to say? Uh, Dear listener, do I sound different? Come in with a real um I don't know. Hello, listeners. Hello, listeners. Yeah, there you go. Welcome to Smooth Jams Audio, where we've got the smoothest Joshi wrestling. That's right. Well, using that new laptop, we got a lot of Joshi to talk about. We're going to be talking some stardom, some Tokyo Joshi, and many other things. But before we do that, we got to get in the plugs. Follow us on Twitter at JBombAudio. You can follow Kelly at Kelly, and you can follow me at TayMambo. Subscribe to us on your podcast app of choice. And if that app of choice happens to be Apple Podcasts, we would really appreciate a five-star rating and review. And if you're feeling extra generous, you can donate to the show at redcircle.com slash shows slash jumping dash bomb dash audio so let's get right into it with our first show stardom's mid-summer champions from july 2nd at yokohama budokan with 1307 fans in attendance kelly what did you think about mid-summer champions uh I, 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 it was a show it was a show. I watched it. There was like 
two matches I really liked, three matches I really liked, and that's about it. What about you? You have any uh, any strong thoughts? I had I don't want to call it a revelation, um, but I guess I'll call it a realization, and maybe it's very close to some other things we've talked about. Um, but just something as I was watching, I was like, I think I have figured out my thoughts. Uh, <laughs> but, we'll, but we'll talk about that as we get in the show. There was just sort of, you know, some of these, a lot of the matches just sort of happened. And so I didn't have really a lot to say about the individual matches itself. Um but they made me think some sort of bigger thoughts, which I'll get into as we go through the matches. Okay. Yeah, the show itself reminded me of the review I gave to my friends on the first episode of the uh, Marvel show Secret Invasion. And that was that sure was some content I watched on the Disney Plus application. Well, you did better than me because I watched about uh, 15 minutes of it and got very bored and turned it off. <laughs> Yeah, I I watched it and I'm like, well, this is just happening in front of me and I have no other thoughts on this. Apparently episode two gets better. I doubt I'm going to find out if that's true. Well, like the last 45 minutes of Secret Invasion episode one, I did not see this pre-show tag team match on Midsummer Champions. Kelly, I'm assuming you did not see it either. I don't think I did. What was it? Nope, didn't see that. The pre-show match, Wakasukiyama and Yuna Mizumori defeating the Queen's Quest duo of Hina and Miyu Amasaki in 5 minutes and 38 seconds. The first match of the show proper, a six-person tag team match. The now regular team, I guess you'd call them, at least partially, Hanako, May Sierra, and Suzu Suzuki defeating Ayasakura, Hazuki, and Saya Ida in 11 minutes and 31 seconds after a very weird finish. Uh, I thought Hanako hit some sort of move that I didn't understand. Yeah, it end, need, whatever it is, it needs work. I literally wrote, what the heck was that finish? Um... <laughs> It was like now I'm thinking back because I watched the show a week ago. I'm like, I don't even remember specifically what it really looked like. I just no, remember being I don't like, either. that was a weird. It was like a shoulder dropping, thrusting um, sort of thing. But I just watched it and I thought, ooh, that, yeah. And like you said, let's work on that one. Let's work <laughs> on that one. Um, other than that, I thought it was a fun match. I thought everyone worked well together. Um, you know, a nice opener. I like the trio. I hope that they get officially um, titled or I guess grouped this Maceira, Micah, Suzu, Suzuki, Hanako quartet, I guess, uh, who seems to be tagging together a lot, but not officially together as anything yet but we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. No, um, I thought it was a decent, like high energy opener and it was fun. It was a fun match. But this is where I had my first big thought. Taylor, the revelator. And 
Yeah. So I was I was watching this match. I'm like, oh, I'm having fun. This is fun. I'm like, I really like everyone in this match. You know, two sort of rookies, but like Ida, Hazuki, Suzu Suzuki, May Sierra. And then I started thinking, I was like, they are, to me, really what stardom is. And I was thinking larger picture about this. And the fact that, Kelly, you and I are sort of on the same page with some of this stuff. We're like... We haven't really enjoyed Sayakamitani. We haven't really enjoyed uh, Mirai. When a lot of other people really enjoy them. Yes. And I was like, okay, what's the deal here? And I finally thought, you know, I think some people consider Joshi like the female version of male wrestling. Which is sort of logical because it is women doing it instead of men. But in my brain, I consider Joshi not just like, oh, it's a women's version of this, but it's like its own genre. Like you would think of New Japan and DDT are very different. Even yeah, they they're different have, styles. They're different styles. They're not like, I don't ever watch a men's match and think, oh, I really enjoyed that, but I would have enjoyed it more had it been women. For the same reason, I don't watch Joshi and think, oh, I really enjoyed that, but it would be better if it was men doing it. <laughs> like, I don't think I've ever had that thought in my life. Um, and so I think when it comes down to it, it's like, I don't want to see sort of like women do New Japan yeah. That to me is not interesting because I'm like, I already have New Japan. If I want to watch that, I'll go watch a New Japan show. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't need like a women's quote unquote women's version of it. Because to me, that's not different. Just because it's like, oh, it's women doing it instead of men. I'm sort of like, no, but I like stardom because it's it's different than anything else. You know, it's not like it's not like new Japan. It's not like DDT, but it's also not like seedling. It's not like, uh, Sendai girls. Like they all have very different styles. And so I just consider Joshi and sort of each company in Joshi, a different style. And I think that's my disconnect where sometimes it feels to me like, especially someone like Mirai is going out there and being like, here's what I'm doing. I'm doing a new Japan match but I'm a woman. Yes, absolutely. And I'm sort 100%. of like, great. Like, okay. Cause frankly, if I want to watch a new Japan match, I'm going to go watch Kazuchika Okada. Yep. Like I also don't, I also don't want to see a new Japan, you know, style match in like MLW. Cause I'm like, why the hell would I watch this when I could go watch Okada or someone else do it really well? Well, Taylor, it's because so, the world of MLW never stops. Yes, I only brought that up because I knew that Kelly last night was hooked. I was. Watching the latest MLW show. I don't um, know but why. But you know what Stardom could use? Stardom could use Don King. Stardom uh, could absolutely use Don King as a mysterious benefactor. <laughs> I was not expecting, when they revealed who the benefactor of Bomaye was... Don King would not have been on the list of a hundred people I would make. A hundred? 
I would like probably if say I a if thousand. Yeah. Yeah, I don't. I don't. Yeah, I don't think I ever would have gotten to Don King. Honestly, probably because I thought he was already dead. I think that's a big part of it. <laughs> I did not realize that Don King was still alive currently. What unit would Don King purchase in Stardom? Um. Oh, it would be What's um, the most like uh, Club Venus. Do you think it would be Club Venus? Because I think he would Absolutely. be like, oh, I'm all about you know, the fighters who are going to make me money. So he would be like, oh, God's eye or something. No, I think he would be like, look at these women. <laughs> Mina's got her women and I'm, I'm pushing them to the moon with my millions of dollars. It's a great Don King. Uh, oh, thank you. I, I worked on it really hard. Um, yeah, but <laughs> but anyway, to get back to the original point, that was sort of the thing I started thinking of during this match. It was only sort of confirmed during parts of the rest of the show. Um, but anyway, that was sort of my big thought. Uh, and it's like, I, I to go with what you were saying, part of why like there's a disconnect there, and I've talked about this before, I've called uh, Sayakamatani in a fit of rage. I've, I think I've referred to her as a bullshit Kotobushi cosplay. And that's that's a big part of what you're saying, is a lot of it, it just feels like New Japan tributes, and that's why it doesn't land, because I come here for Joshi, I don't come here for New Japan. I, I have a specific thing I want out of this product. And so if you're just doing New Japan again, I would just watch New Japan. But And then like you have this opener here where it's honestly like a good chunk of our favorites from the company doing a more Joshi-style match. But it's like they're forced down to the bottom of the card. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, it was a good match. I'm not saying this match was like the greatest match ever. Of no, course, it was, it was, it was fine. But... Yeah, but I was like, they oh, put a lot in of a decent like. opener effort. Yeah. Um, but anyway, after this match, Kelly, I did write my notes. We have to talk about Starverse. Did you see the is, advertisement for Starverse? Is that their NFT thing? It's their like, well, they did an ad after the match, and they're like, look, it's Starverse or whatever they were doing. And the, the images was like an old 2003 video game. And it was like Natsupoi wandering around an empty ring. Like 2003 quality graphics of Natsupoi wandering around an, an empty ring in an empty arena. And I was like, this is the cell of this whatever it is. I don't even know what it is. Yeah, um, I thought it was like, that's where you put your, you get your stardom NFTs and then you can like, pose them in different places but maybe maybe i'm wrong maybe i'm misunderstanding what whatever the hell starverse is i think it may be an an nft thing and i have no interest in learning anything about any nft like i sort of vaguely i understand what it is but anytime it's brought up i'm like i don't have any interest in filling any part of my brain with information about this yeah Um, but I just found it insane that they showed this and they're like, look, it's incredible. And I was like, this looks like shit. What are you talking <laughs> about? Uh, like someone seeing it and be like, oh, yeah, because I'm sure those NFTs, I'm sure those things are like not cheap. Yeah, probably not. Right? 
So I'm like, oh, are you going to pay $100 to have this thing that you then put in somewhere and watch your little character wander around? <laughs> like, is that the thing? I have purchased Natsupoi and have trapped her in my, in my enormous coliseum, left to wander for the rest of her days. In a ring with no fans as they just wander around, like, and not even wander around, but that, like, old school, you can only walk, um, like, in direct cardinal directions, like north yeah. and south, or you have to turn and then walk east and west. I have purchased like, 400 Tom NFTs and they will become the audience. Um, but I'm interested to see... I'm interested to see how quickly um, this shit is dropped. Because it's interesting, it now feels like, it feels many times like technology happens in Japan first and then comes to America. It's the opposite this with feels, this. This feels like a thing where it was in America, it is now failed, I think we can say. Um, yeah. And now they're like, now we're in Japan, and Japan's doing the same thing where, every, like, a bunch of companies are like, look, we can do this. And now I'm waiting for the moment when people go, we're not interested. And they stop talking about it. Anyway, the like, next it feel, Honestly, was... NFTs make more sense in Japan in a way to me. Because if you view them purely as collectibles, it, it doesn't take up storage space, which is at a premium in a lot of japanese areas especially the city so like it could scratch that itch for collectors who just don't have space for their collection anymore but it's still dumb as fuck but i can see the logic of it succeeding over there well i think it's gonna fail i think it will too <laughs> but i do think there is it might hang on a teensy bit longer than it did here Well, we'll see if on the next show they're still talking about... We'll have to track the uh, the longevity of Starburst. Yeah. <laughs> Kelly, maybe I'll buy you as a gift uh, at some point. Um, who would you like least? <laughs> um, oh, give I'll me a you, uh, Natsuko Tora uh... NFT. Oh, yeah. And a Ruwaka. I'll give you both of them. There we go. I bet I could get a deal, two for one or something. <laughs> uh, the next match, though, was an eight-person tag team match. The Queen's Quest team of Azumi, Lady C, Saya Kamatani, and Utami defeating the Stars Quartet of Hanan, Koguma, Mayu Iwatani, and Momo Kogo in nine minutes and 21 seconds. Kelly... Queen's Quest getting along, but then at the end, another twist. Yeah, what happened at the end? I wasn't quite clear. I know Utami was like, well, I'm leaving, and everyone else is like, what the fuck? That's essentially what happened. She was like, ah, I have to... I, I think she's going on, like, a vision quest. Oh, uh, she's to, going on a walkabout? To reclaim her leadership abilities. She's doubt. She's doubting her leadership abilities. Um it was funny because I was like, oh, a nice follow-up. You know, Queen's Quest is all reunited. They got the win. Um, you know, got the win in the cage match. They come out the first match here. Everyone's on the same page. 
they get the pin. I'm like, great, everything's back to normal. And then immediately started cutting that promo being like, I'm out of here. And everyone's like, what, where are you going? Uh, and the answer turned out to be America. Yeah. Uh, Sia's just like, goes, I should have fucking brained you with that, that fight. Where everyone goes to really clear their mind, uh, America. Yeah. You know, <laughs> GCW. Breathe in the nice, clean, fresh air of GCW. It's often called the spa of pro wrestling. So, you know, <laughs> makes sense. Go there, relax. Uh, yeah, but I thought this was a fine match. Nothing really out of the ordinary. I enjoyed it. Um, yeah. Yeah, no, I'm in, I'm in the same boat. I thought it was good booking to give the United Queen's Quest a victory, but then they were ununited again by the end. The next match was another eight-person tag, the Donna Del Mundo team of Julia, Micah, Mai Sakurai, and Tekla defeating the Oedo Tai team of Momo Watanabe, Natsuka Tora, Rina, and Ruaka in 11 minutes and 18 seconds. And let me declare, I am back on the train of I do not care about Oedo Tai. Yeah. It felt like they got really bad. There was that moment where I was like, they're bad, and why does this group still exist? They added Starlight Kid and Momo, and I was sort of like, oh, this is sort of interesting. And now it feels like they're just back doing the same dumb shit. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, my notes for this match read exactly as follows. This was fine. No real thoughts here. I wrote, fine. All these early matches feel pretty similar. And then I yeah. wrote, work well. I do not care about Oedo Tai. <laughs> there it is. The two notes. Yep. Um, but most importantly, the match Kelly was looking most forward to, the Passion Injection match, Nanai Takahashi defeating Starlight Kid in 14 minutes and 28 seconds. Kelly, most importantly... Did this match inject passion into you? You know what? It did. For all the shit I talk on the passion injection matches, I thought this rocked. A kid fought really well here. She fought as hard as she could to send grandma back to the home, but, you know, she couldn't do it. Grandma beat her, and it was a really good match. It was easily my favorite of the passion injection matches so far. Uh, I went three and three quarters on this. I I enjoyed it quite a bit. I agree 100%. I thought it was very good. Started hot. It felt like it felt like one where Nanai was actually like trying having to wrestle and not just like, oh, I'm going through the motions and you know, doing whatever I do, I'm going to win, so I'll just do whatever. And I was very close. I went three and a half stars, but I was very close to three and three quarters. Yeah, I think the my surprise at liking it probably gave it that little extra bump. Yeah, I thought clearly the best passion injection match. And I think the important thing with these matches now is um, they should have passion injection matches with two good wrestlers and not just one. Yep. That's my hot take. <laughs> really helps yeah 
The next match was our first title match, the Goddesses of Stardom title match. The new champions, Club Venus, Mariah May, and Mina Shirakawa, defeating the God's Eye team of Amisore and Suri in 14 minutes and 45 seconds. I did think briefly for a moment, I was sort of sitting watching the match, thinking, did they screw up the booking where they wanted to get the singles title on Mirai, forgetting that she had the tag team titles, but they wanted the tag team titles on Ami. So they were like, uh, we'll just give you another challenge with a different partner and you'll win the titles. But then they didn't. (laughs) Um, So I should have more faith in Rossi uh, than that. Um, I described, uh, I wrote in my notes that all of these matches sort of blur together in an unspectacular soup. (laughs) That was my note (laughs) on this match. Well, it sounds like I liked this one more than you. I I was pretty into this. I thought it was... uh, Siri is a huge scalp for Mina. Like, I was surprised when she picked up that that pin over her. I thought for sure that Ami was there to take the pin. So the, uh, that was cool. It's good to kind of see them rehabbing Mina after the title loss. Uh, for the most part, this was pretty hard hitting, except for when uh, Mariah hit Siri with the power bomb to the outside. But there was like two or three people there to catch Siri, so she just fell very slowly instead of taking a power bomb. <laughs> But like other than that, I really enjoyed this match. I, I went three and three quarters on this one too. Yeah, I was down. I was like, it was good. It isn't that I didn't think it was good, but I was just sort of like, yeah, this is another like three and a quarter star match for me that I just thought fine. I don't know. Something about the tag I don't I don't I can't even remember the last time I was like, wow, this tag title match was really good. Um, it's been a while. It's been probably since FWC was the champions. I mean, those I remember liking, and then they lost yeah. the title, and I don't think I've liked a single... T- I don't know. There's just something about... Well, we had to suffer through the, the hat team. Oh, yeah, team hat. And um, then uh, team we won from a count out. And now we're on Club Venus, which I'm, I'm putting my stocks into. They're going to bring it back. Yep. They're going to bring it back. I'm telling you, you you're, my proclamation of Mariah May being top heel in the company soon. It's coming. The next title match was the high-speed title match, only lasting 3 minutes and 30 seconds. Saki Kashima retaining the high-speed title over Fukigen Death. Baby, we are right back in the pits with the high-speed title. This felt mainly like it happened solely... For a plot point. Yeah, this sucked, but it was short at least, so that was nice. Uh, Saki Kashima joining God's Eye after the match. What uh, a weird begging, fit. Begging Shuri to join join with the shooters. And if anyone's a shooter, it's Saki Kashima. Yeah. Um, also, I guess uh, Kina not into the... Um, shenanigans and tomfoolery so maybe hina will uh be breaking out soon uh not a fix for oedo tai but uh, it's something 
I yeah. guess. <laughs> Shrug. Yeah. Um, the semi-main event of the show for the Wonder of Stardom title, new champion Mirai defeats Tom Nakano, who is now only a single champion, in 22 minutes and 16 seconds. Mirai, you stupid idiot. Why didn't you challenge for the red belt? Why didn't you challenge for both belts? Why did you challenge for both belts, you stupid dummy? Um, my note was I liked it, but I was not invested in any way. Um, one of those matches where it ends and I'm just sort of like in a weird fog where I'm like, I guess, like I went four stars, I guess. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I wasn't looking forward to Mirai winning. I knew she was winning. Then she won. I don't know. Just... Yeah. <laughs> what do you think? Yeah, I I ended up at three and three quarters on this one as well. Um, I wasn't excited for it at all going in, but like they really were vicious. Like they were beating the shit out of each other. And so they, they won me over. They got me into the match and I ended up really liking it. Uh, the middle kind of dragged, but I thought the opening and closing thir- thirds of the match were both really good. And so, yeah, I, I ended up enjoying it. But, like, one thing I thought about coming out of this match is it's kind of wild how much the white belt has bounced around ever since Saya lost it. Yeah, well, I'm glad they're not doing, you know, like I said, when they were all happening, I was like, hey, it might be good to switch up these titles. Yeah. Not one single time a year, and that's what they're doing. So, you know, it does give a little bit more juice to some of these title matches that maybe you think, oh, it's a foregone conclusion because now it's like, oh, what's going to happen now? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I'm just, I I have no excitement. I think Mirai is the most divisive roster member in Stardom. I re- yeah, I think so. Because it's, it's mostly, it's a lot of people being like, oh my God, she's the future. She's incredible. Just, top of the company best we're ever going to see versus everyone else being like, yeah, I don't know. She's all right. Um, yeah, just my excitement level for a Mirai title reign is very low. Yeah. Uh, It's like, who knows? Maybe, maybe she'll lose it in the next defense. (laughs) Like, we didn't really enjoy a lot of Saya Kamatani matches, but at least there was something going on where you're like, what the hell is going to happen here? Like, I don't know. Maybe she'll gravely Who, injure someone. Whose face Obviously, is she going to break? But yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, what's going to happen? What weird thing is she going to do? Like, there was some interest there. Where this, it's like, I know what I'm going to get. I'm going to get these sort of fine but not spectacular matches. And I won't be invested at all in the character because I think her character is just sort of a wet noodle um, of like, hey, I'm here. Like, the character is just sort of like, hey, I'm a wrestler. Uh, do do some claps for me, please. <laughs> please clap. <laughs> please clap. Yeah, the Jeb Bush of Star. Yep. <laughs> it's Mirai. Um 
So yeah, but Kelly, the last match we have to talk about and maybe the most controversial match, well, clearly the most controversial match of the show, maybe the most controversial match of Stardom's year, the Indian Strap match where Sayuriano defeated Natsupoy in 26 minutes and 36 seconds. Before I had watched this show, I saw multiple posts in the Voices of Wrestling Discord calling this the worst stardom match of the year. Do you agree, Kelly? I don't know because I don't I don't think it was good. I don't think it was good at all. I went one star on this. It felt like it was never going to end. It was super boring, bad gimmick. Crowd didn't give a single shit. It was a perfect storm of just terrible garbage. But, like, I also don't remember a single damn thing about it. Nothing in it stuck out enough where it's like, oh, this is so bad. I'm going to, you know, and it just lives in my brain forever. None of that, nothing like that happened here. Everything in it was serviceable enough to to be, I guess, technically fine. So, there, yes, it's bad, but I have a hard time calling it the worst of the year. But also... I don't know what I would say is worse from stardom this year. All right. Well, this is, <laughs> this is going to be a shocker uh, to you. First of all, the first thing I thought was they sort of run it with this sort of racist name, the Indian strap match. Yeah. And then the strap is just like a black strap. Like, huh? Like, why didn't you just call it a strap match? It was just like a very mechanical black strap um, that I was like, okay, um, I would have cut the word Indian and just called it a strap match. Yeah. Here's the thing about this match. I thought the work was really good, but I think that they were stuck with a bad stipulation. I mean, there's never, ever... And I say this with confidence, having done no research into this, but I'm saying it with confidence. There has never, ever been a good strap match. Because the gimmick is so stupid. Like, oh, let me touch all these four corners with the, uh, you know, oh, we're strapped together, but it's a very long strap and I have to touch these four corners. By the way, they made it harder in this match by not... They kept grabbing and like constricting the rope and then dragging each other. I'm like, just let go of the rope and walk <laughs> over there. Like that was the thing that annoyed me the most was I was like, why are you dragging this person from corner to corner when you have a rope that's like 10 feet long? Just let go of the rope and walk over there. Um, they didn't really use the strap that much. Like at one point, they started using it as a whip, which I was like, oh, here we go. And then they just stopped and didn't do that anymore. Um, it was just like, why, why this gimmick? Why did this, why was this the thing that we decided to do for these two people? Um, but like, for example, they had the okay, part. Okay, hang on, hang on. Okay. There right. is one good, there is a good strap match. Vader right. versus Sting. Have I seen that? I don't know if I have. 
from uh, February 21st, 1993 at a Super Brawl 3. So a good strap match happened 30 years ago. <laughs> Here's the thing. Even if that Oh, that's the White true, Castle of Fear leather strap match. How could I forget? I will give that one to you, and I will still consider it a victory lap for me to say, yes, okay, there was one good strap match that happened 30 years ago. How could we forget from NXT Dexter Loomis versus Roderick Strong? I certainly did not see that. Like, Apparently Brian Cody Danielson one. and The Fiend had a strap match. I am not aware of that one at all. Well, I'll give you the assignment of um, checking that one out because I will not you be know, doing that. That's Royal Rumble 2020. I probably saw that. I probably reviewed that. Uh, I probably no, saw I might have been too. out by then. I probably saw it too because I do the Royal Rumble sort of is my most I do watch that. Yeah. Um but like there was the Cody one a couple of years ago in AEW. Um Oh with, yeah, with uh Brody. With Brody, right? Yeah. Um which I don't have really any memory of, but I'm just like, it's a, it's just bad because the whole thing is like, Oh, you see a pin and you're like, Oh, great. A pin. And then it's like, but wait, now I'm going to walk around the ring and slap the turnbuckles weirdly. Um, and I just don't care, but I will say a great segment when I was like, Hey, this work is good. They had that segment where they just started launching each other with German suplexes. And I was like, this is a lot of fun. I wish they weren't wearing the strap, but <laughs> I'm enjoying this exchange. Like I was like, it was probably four star work, but the gimmick itself is like two stars mm -hmm. just because it's a match. That's like, no, it's like, I'm just trying to think, has there ever, I mean, there's like glass. I don't love last man standing matches which I feel are not great, but is there any gimmick that is just so consistently not that great that people do like every two or three years? Oh, it's like a consistent, the, uh, like, Oh, we're, do we're doing another one of these. I'm doing, I, I've been doing more research on the strap match. The Cody versus Brody Lee match was a dog collar match, not a strap match. So that gets disqualified. Oh, there you go. Yep. Yep. Dog collar match far superior to the strap match in every way. Yeah, because in dog collar, it's just pinning, right? Yeah, I think. There's no, like, touching of of the, of the um, whatever you call them, turnbuckles. Jesus. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> ay, ay, ay. Yeah, but I guess my end thought was I definitely do not see it as the worst I consider a much more egregious offense to be a match that is really boring. And to me, this match, even though the gimmick was bad, it wasn't boring. Like I would have rather have watched this than watch something that's like, Oh, that was a two and a quarter star match, you know, random tag team match or something. Cause that, to I me don't know. Like, I was, I was pretty bored with this. I mean, it was. I think very, a big part of that was just how long, long it was. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, it's clear the 
people, I mean, 1300, which is not terrible, but for stardom is, um, just not, not a great number. I mean, they had been pulling like 1600, 1700, uh, recently, which, um, this is not. So, yeah. And a sort of just weird end to a weird show. I would like it if Natsupoi feuds stop ending in, well, I guess we're friends now. But she just loves everyone. Yeah. Stop that. Well, you'll be sad to know they're challenging together for the tag titles. <sighs> they better fucking lose. That happened. Ooh. Um, that happened today on the Corican show, which uh, uh. happened a few hours ago. Okay, I found another uh, stipulation match that is always pretty much guaranteed to be terrible, and that is the ambulance match. Oh. Yeah, but do people outside of WWE do that? Um, Have you ever seen well, an ambulance match? WCW. Well, a, a living company. Um, Let's see. Looking at... Have any happened in the past 20 years that were not in WWE? There was one last year in Coastal Championship Wrestling. Of course. And How could I have forgotten? In 2014, Smash Wrestling had one between between uh, Brent Banks and Scotty O'Shea. Great. Uh, so the answer uh, is no. The most recent one was in WWE. Uh, I assume this is NXT. It was Damon Kemp versus Julius Creed. Who is Damon Kemp? I have no idea. I know Julius Creed because he's one of the brothers that was like really good or something, right? Yeah, I guess Kemp is just a WWE guy. He didn't wrestle anywhere else. Well, that's why I don't know him. Um, but anyway, that's Stardom's Midsummer Champions show. Wrestled Kushida in his fourth match in his career. When was his last wrestling match? So his most recent match, he wrestled, uh, Damon Kemp wrestled on the 7th. So that was just two days ago. Against Yeah, two. his first, uh, that was, oh boy. Damon Kemp and Tavion Heights defeat Eddie Thorpe and Tiller Hare. All right. Well, I know Eddie Thorpe is uh, what's his face from. Um, oh, that's Carl the, Fredericks. Yeah, from the. LA that's Dojo, his fucking. Yeah. That's his name. Yeah, Eddie DJ Eddie Thorpe. What the fuck? That's such a bad name. <laughs> wicka wicka. Um. Yeah. But anyway, back to Joshi. <laughs> Um, that was Stardom's Midsummer Champions. Next, we're going to be talking about Tokyo Joshi's Summer Sun, Tokyo Joshi's Summer Sun Princess 2-3 from the Oda City General Gymnasium in front of 1,222 fans. I believe the highest attendance Tokyo Joshi has ever had in that building. Kelly, what did you think about this show? The show rocked. I was very happy with it. Uh, nothing, well, that's not true. I was going to say nothing like super high-end match of the year contender, but you know what? 
that main event might be in that category. So yeah, really good all around show. I was super happy with this one. Though I will say, did you have any problems watching it? Uh, no. This was the first time I had issues with Wrestle Universe. Because, like, I could not get it to cast well from my phone or my laptop. It stalled out in casting in the exact same spot on both devices, which I thought was weird. Uh, I had... It switched the commentary on me at one point. Uh, I had, there was a couple times... There was one time where I paused, walked out of the room, and came back, and it was playing. That was weird. Like, I, I don't know what was going on with Wrestle Universe yesterday with me, but I had, I had a hell of a time watching this show. Um, no, my experience was fine. I, many years ago, when Wrestle Universe first started, found it nearly impossible to watch anything on it because it would, like, play for five seconds and then freeze. Yes. And... I was like, oh, this just doesn't work. And I tried all of these different things. Um, I like bought different streaming things and nothing worked. And then one day, all of a sudden, it was just like, oh, now it will work. And yeah. I really have had very few problems since then. Yeah, this is my first time I've had issues with it since like they fixed everything and launched the app and stuff. So I, I was kind of surprised. Um, I will say about the show, I think without the top two matches, I would have considered this show a big disappointment. Is my sort of I can of see that. Take. And then I thought the top two were very good and sort of saved. I think covered over a lot of the flaws, but also then when the top two are good, you're like, oh, all of these three and a quarter star matches that I was like, is this the best they're going to do? All of a sudden they're like, oh, those were exciting and fun. And that's fine because then the top was really good. Um, but the show started with the return of Juria Nagano teaming with her Karate Kid's buddy Moka Miyamoto, but unfortunately losing to the regular team of Daisy Monkey, Arisa Endo, and Suzume in 11 minutes and 43 seconds. Kelly, the mocha outfit is getting closer. The skirt was a different fabric. And not getting closer in that it's trying to latch itself onto other people like we were afraid of. It's... It was a thinner fabric, so I'm like, I think they realized that doing the full comforter style skirt was wrong she would have died wrestling in that in this summer the japanese summer heat so i'm i'm glad they fixed the fabric at the very least i'm just like i know one day she's gonna come out and she's gonna have totally new gear and it's gonna be like we finally did it yep (laughs) uh but as to the match itself great to see juria back she looked good uh doesn't look like she's lost a step and I thought this was a solid opening match. Yeah, I thought Juria looked like a star here. She just she was the main focal point of the match. While she took the loss, she was the star of it. So it's like she came out of this looking fantastic. And overall, just a great opener. I went three and a half stars on this. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We hype ourselves up thinking, ah, maybe I can pull a Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card. 
But with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view of all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now, when I buy Slab Packs at Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. I was able to open an Arena Club Slab Pack, and, and I'll be honest, it was a lot better than what you normally do. Say you go to a card show, and there's a random innocuous brown bag of cards and yeah you can open it and look it's going to be junk you're you, you know what i mean like you know what you're probably going to get in those maybe you find that fun and sometimes i do sometimes i like just opening up cards and saying oh, hey look at some random cards or whatever but if you're really in this game to to find value and find particular cards it sucks to have to buy these mystery packs and it ends up being you know almost nothing you know nothing of value not with arena club you can display, again, of all available cards, hit rates, grading, so you know that when you're opening up the slab pack, you are going to get something valuable. You are getting something good. And Arena Club, in addition to having those great slab packs we just talked about, is also a marketplace for card collecting, buying, trading, selling, displaying, all that sort of stuff. But those Arena Club slab packs, man, they are revolutionizing the repack game with transparency. After your polls are revealed, they'll immediately be placed in your vault for safekeeping or trading and selling. And you can have them officially graded by Arena Club as well. So again, setting these things off, it's going to be officially graded by Arena Club. And the Arena Club grading process is accurate, fast, and transparent with full grade rationale provided and explanation of how your card was scored. So whether you're buying, selling, trading, or displaying, Arena Club is the card collecting platform that you have to check out. So right now, I've got a special offer here for Voices of Wrestling Network listeners. You can get 10% off of your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Now, that's a crazy offer. That's 10% off a $400 slab pack. $40 off right there. 10% off your first purchase. No matter what that purchase is, 10% off again that's arena club.com slash vow net arena club.com slash vow net for 10 percent off your first purchase on arena club and we thank them for sponsoring the voices of wrestling podcast network what's going on guys this is rich from the flagship podcast here on the voice of wrestling podcast Network. If I could have a moment of your time, I'd like to tell you about one of our sponsors, Eufy Video Lock. Eufy Video Lock is a smart lock, a 2K camera, and a doorbell, all three-in-one, offering you triple security. So you can have everything in one device rather than installing many pieces on your front door. But it's not just for security. The Eufy Video Lock is also for convenience. No more concerns about losing keys, and you can assign passwords to your family members and see them coming back home via the integrated cameras. Some other great features we love about the Eufy Video Lock is it is easy to install and set up with just a Phillips screwdriver, no drilling required. Keyless entry, no more fumbling for keys when your hands are full. You never have to worry about kids losing keys or passing among renters. You also have 0.3 second, 0.3 second, fingerprint 
recognition, and one second unlocking. Again, 0.3 seconds, it's going to recognize your fingerprints, and in one second, it's going to unlock. And with the AI self-learning chip embedded, the more you use it, the more accurate it will be. Also, no battery anxiety. You have a rechargeable battery in there that could last around four months, and you will get a low battery notification before it runs out. Uh, passcode unlocking, a remote control with a 2K clear sight. See who's at your door and control from anywhere through the Eufy app. With enhanced night vision, you can have optimized view even in the evening. You can also secure your package delivery by view and two-way audio. And then best of all, no monthly fee. A bunch of other brands out there are going to charge you a monthly fee. You have your recordings locally and you never have to pay for storage. Customer service, Eufy's got you handled as well. They are on standby for you 24-7 so you can enjoy a worry-free experience with an 18-month warranty all backed by their professional customer service team. Contact them anytime by telephone, email, or live chat. Personally, as a homeowner, I love my Eufy Video Lock. I have the ability to see what's going on when I'm not home, when packages have has arrived, and, and really the thing I love the most about it, the ease of being able to lock and unlock my doors without having to fumble with my keys, reach in my pocket, or wait, no, crap, they're in my backpack, all that sort of stuff. All this is happening while my dogs are barking at me. You know what? Not anymore with the Eufy Video Lock. I touch it. 0.3 second fingerprint recognition, one second doors unlocked much much easier so if you want to jump on board with eufy video lock search eufy video lock that is e u f y video lock again that's eufy video lock e u f y video lock or visit eufyofficial.com slash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your door The oh, next oh, map. Oh, oh, I just oh, heard, oh, did oh. you, we didn't talk about this. Did you listen to the new Up Up Girls song? Well, I watched the performance. Okay, good. During that, the That's show. what I mean. It, so it was way, a banger. Yes, I did listen to it. It sounds very different than their other uh, songs. It does. I like it. And I did like it, but I was sitting there being like, oh, I hope they pull out one of the big guns. And then they did they because they did a second song. So then I was like, I think if that had been the only song, I would have been like, oh, I like that. But I always like, you know, I want them to play the hits. Yeah, you got to um, get the classics. And so and it is out. I did see it is out now on, uh, I believe, on streaming services. Ooh. Um, let me check my actually what was it called rxc okay oh that won't help me god who's this person um i guess i could look up 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 girls right yeah that should work up up girls let's see yeah rocket or well i guess rocket now although the o's are replaced with x so Rixit oh. uh, and they also have an instrumental version on oh. Spotify if you want to learn the words and do karaoke. Perfect. Um, no, but that will be added. That will definitely be added to my Up Up Girls playlist because I did like. I feel like the last few songs they've they've released have been have been very good. Hmm. I mean, I feel like all their songs... Oh, are there any songs, I guess... Are there any Up Up Girl songs that I'm like, oh, I don't like this one? Um, yeah, I don't think there's any where they start it and I'm like, ugh, this one? Or I'm like, ugh. 
Although, what is this? Oh, no. Um, now I'm looking at the show all. Okay. Upper chop. Upper chop is the... Hold on. I don't think they do upper because they do upper kick a lot. Yeah. Upper kick is the. That one. That that's a good one. I think that's my favorite. Uh, Chocolate love me do, which is me use entrance music. Marshmallow. That's what that, I I don't think I knew what that song was called. That's a weird name. <laughs> And I should say it's called Chocolate Love Me. Both M and E are capitalized. Do. Um, only 12,000 plays on Spotify. But Marshmallow Cacao Station. What is that one? Oh, that's got to be Raku's song or something. Oh, no, right? that's the... Da, na, na, da, na, na, da, na, that that one. Ah. Uh. Um, yeah, I'm like, I recognize all of these, but I don't know if I could tell you any of their, except for Upper Kick. I'm just like, oh yeah, it's that song that I know. <laughs> um, seriously Muscle. Oh. Wow. Susan. All right. Uh, well, anyway, that's the segment where I sit and listen to music that no one else can hear. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> we can we i could hear it a little bit oh through my headphones yeah oh okay uh well that's and then good, there's I whatever guess. uh hikari does on her solo stuff because she has those cds that she uses in death matches and i don't know if they get any other use oh is that rock bottom i yeah. it might be i think that's rock bottom um all right. Well, anyways, the next match on this show was an eight-person tag team match. Haruna Neko, Himawari, Mahiro Kiryu, and Shino Suzuki defeating Shino. Haru, Haru Karashiro, Kaya Torabami, Runa Okuba, and Toga in 11 minutes and seven seconds. I thought this was a fun match. The rookies are improving. You know, they still have their moments. The opening uh, sort of grappling sequence, which looked like it was happening in incredible slow motion. Um, but they aren't incredibly awkward anymore, which is an improvement. So they are getting better, which is good to see. And I wrote, Toga's great. Let's all get on the Toga train. Yep. They're now at the level where if you put them on NXT, people would be like, these are the greatest women's wrestlers anyone has ever seen in the world. I'm very happy to just have Toga come in once a match and just wreck someone and that sort of be the Toga moment and be like, we did it. Yep. <laughs> that's it. Next match. Because um, <laughs> that's always the highlight. Toga's one thing coming in, destroying someone, and everyone being like, oh! Yeah, it's always good every single time. The next match was a tag team match. The team of Naokakuda and Ryo Mizunami defeating the team of Asuka and Yuki Kamafuku in 10 minutes and 11 seconds. Of course, the first thing we have to talk about is the 
entrances from really both teams. Uh, but Yuki Kamafuku and Asuka coming out in their entrance with Bali and Aki openly discussing how Tokyo <laughs> Joshi fans are unused to being horny. Um <laughs> and that they would be very thrown off by this entrance. It was, was so like, fucking funny. <laughs> but he said that even early when, when they were opening the show and they were just sort of like, Hey, here's what's on the card. It's bubble. It's this, this, this. Aki said at one point they were like, Oh yeah. Asuka and, and um, Yuki are tagging together. And he's like, Oh, and the fans um, we'll see Asuka and they will be amazed, but also they will have a feeling in their stomach of uncomfortability or something, he said. And I was like, what the heck is going on? Why are we talking about this? And then he brought it up again. He's like, oh, the Tokyo Joshi fans, they're used to, he said something like, oh, they're used to being happy. Yeah, when... just like smiling and happy. <laughs> when wrestlers are entering, but now they're feeling uh, an unusual feeling in their stomach. And I was like, wow, this is very weird. <laughs> um, and then the, my other favorite part was like, Brooks was in the middle of saying something. And then Asuka started like dancing on the corner post. Like it was a pole and Brooks just stops. and goes, Oh goodness. Uh, very pure. Uh, wrestling company. Of course, then uh, Rio and now coming out to Rio's music. Um, the uh, royalty-free Pitbull homage, uh, as we'll call it, which was inter <laughs> rudely interrupted by their opponents. And then Yuki got in the ring openly mocking Rio Mizunami, wearing the jacket, wearing the glasses. Um but then we got into the match, and I thought it was really good. I really enjoyed it. Uh, Ryu Mizunami continues to be a perfect fit for Tokyo Joshi. I thought the sequences with her and Asuka were really good. Um, did you notice... Turned into a Chris seedling Brooks, show. Was Chris Brooks calling her Venue? I know that they were sort of interchangeably saying Asuka and Venny. But it felt like a number well, of times Chris was saying venue, and I was that's like, their uh, team name that like Vinny U. Oh, I thought he was referencing just Oscar, like when he was doing that. He that makes sense, but I thought he was saying, "Oh, like she's in the ring. Here comes venue." I think and he I might have like, just had too many names floating around in his head. <laughs> but you are right that their team name is venue, but. I thought he was only referencing her, so I was like, is he calling her Venue? Um, I mean, maybe maybe he just had a little tingle in his stomach and he's just thrown off. He's not really used to just, that as a fan of Tokyo Joshi. He's not um, used to it. I really appreciate that Asuka just can't, comes out and makes the entire focus of her entrance shaking ass and kissing cute boys. Like, yeah, there was her. that kiss. I was like, whoa. Um, at first, first I thought the older of the two guys I thought it was uh, Minoru Tanaka <laughs> wow what a gig uh, that would have been for him um, is that the and then I was like wait is that Yuko, Yuko Miyamoto no I think it was just two guys yeah 
they just wandered the streets and were like, hey, want to come uh, be part of this wrestling show? Boys. <laughs> where, you'll, where you'll just sort of, they didn't really do anything. Well, no, the they one were just carried, there. The one carried, um, I think, Oscar down the stairs. Um, but they just sort of like walked near them. And I was like, okay. Yeah. Um, also, do we have to put on our conspiracy theory hat and note that it is another loss for Yuki Kamafuku. I mean, maybe. Maybe. I don't know. But either way, big win for now Kakuda here. Yeah, big win. And especially with the uh, tag titles sort of up in the air, all of these victories are interesting because you don't know, you know, maybe Kakuda and Mizunami will be tag challengers. That'd be cool. You don't know, but I'm very thrown off by Yuki losing. I'm like, is this a sign that she's like retiring or something? Um, we did learn, unrelated to this, that um, Saki Akai was offered, supposedly, a contract in AEW and turned it down. So maybe they offered one to Yuki. Shit, Maybe. It seems and Yuki does have Yuki does have good English, so she does. Um, oh, an Ohioan. Yep. At least partially. But I'm like, hmm, that's. You think that they would like offer Miyu or something? I mean, I guess they offered Yuka, and yeah. she's doing it. So, I guess everyone's up for grabs. If Camille uh, does see, make but... the jump, I hope they give her back her true ring entrance music. Kelly, if there's anything that would happen, I would guarantee you that they are not going to be playing Old McDonald. Stop imagine... the Old McDonald erasure. Imagine Jim Ross sitting at the desk and Old McDonald hits as Yuki Kamafuku comes out. Well, first of all, well, Imagine go, Jim well, Ross at the desk when Yuki Kamafuku comes out at all, first off. Well, yes, that's what I was thinking. <laughs> but I was thinking he would go, what the hell? And then she would come out and he would probably say something like, who's this Jezebel? Because um, he loves that freaking word, Jezebel. What's she know about milking cows? <laughs> well, I don't know this, uh, uh, you know, and then he'd say something really problematic. <laughs> um, about that she's oh oh she's from the land of the rising sun um, <laughs> this Jezebel I've never heard of a farmer from the Orient now we gotta be serious We I don't understand why these wrestlers aren't serious playing old McDonald uh, he would be infuriated and then he would immediately be smitten and those two uh, opposing forces would compete in his mind. Um, the, every he has two dogs in him, confused and uh, confused and horny. Yes. Um, so uh, one anyway, says what the hell, went, the other says sauce it. I went three and a half on this match. I went three and three quarters on. It. Hey, I like this a lot. The next match was a title match for the Defy Women's 
title, which is a promotion based out of Seattle, not Canada, as the as Chris Brooks and Balianaki uh, briefly surmised. They were both uh, still Bur- confused. They were like, it's Canadian. And then they're like, no, it's Seattle. And then they clearly, neither of them knew where Seattle is. Uh, <laughs> so they stopped talking about it. They're like, is Seattle Canada? They were like, no, it's Seattle. You know, Seattle in dot, 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 dot. And then they were like, <laughs> and back to the match. Um, Vert Vixen, the champion, defeating Hikari Noah in nine minutes and 42 seconds. I should say possibly advertising Vixen. Huh? Beats Hikari Noah. That could be definitely one. the more vertical of the two in this one. Yeah, but it could stand for advertising. That's what I'm. That saying. could be. She's advertising some video game. The concept yeah, her... of video games. Um, I thought that this was a fine match, sort of just two and a half stars. I did think for a moment that maybe Hikari would win because I figured it'd be easy for her to go over, especially because it's in Seattle, which is on the West coast of the United States. Um, that it'd be easy for her to go over, maybe Russell lose it back or something like that. I don't know. Um, but it didn't happen. And I thought this match was pretty average. Yeah, it was fine. Uh, it kind of just ended. Like, it didn't really have a lead-up to anything. All of a sudden, I was just like, wait. Oh, I guess it's over now. Uh, I don't know. I think uh, the Vertical Vixen needs to cut the in-match dialogue. It's not working. Get over here. Yeah. But, Kelly, that's a the... video game reference. I know. I know. <laughs> I've played them before. <laughs> what? Um... <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. All right. Very, uh, very, uh, bloodline. Yeah. And it's also like, oh, also no one can, well, maybe not no one, but you're not in a country where the main language is English. Yeah. So you're just sort of speaking to yourself. And so. clear, and it really, no one cared about this match. It was very quiet in the arena. <laughs> I think that was a running theme for some of the upcoming matches, but not the next match, which was a three-way tag team match. The regular team of Hyper Masao and Shoko Nakajima defeating both Aja Kong and Raku and Max the Impaler and Palm Harajuku in nine minutes and 32 seconds. Kelly, what did you think of this match? So I liked it, but... It didn't have nearly enough nonsense, so I was kind of disappointed by it. So overall, good, but not as wacky as I was hoping. I wrote it was a lot of fun, but there was, like you just said, less comedy than I thought there would be. Um, It was a pretty straightforward match. I mean, the bike got involved at one point, but that was really the peak of the comedy, really. Yeah. Which was very short. I did enjoy Raku absolutely demolishing Palm with the trash can strike <laughs> and then immediately getting demolished herself by Max like running her over. Um, 
It was just very, I was like, wow, I guess Raku's used to hitting with that pillow where she's like, oh, I can hit you as hard as I want. And it was That's just like, true. Wham. Um, and then got demolished in one of those ways where you fly across the ring and you like hit the ropes, but in the way where clearly you're not meant to hit the ropes. Um, <laughs> you like fall into them and you're just like, oh, God. Uh, I thought the Max and Aja interactions were the highlight. Of the match yeah that was me. good um i thought they were really good i liked when they i don't remember exactly what it was but then they high-fived each other um and they were like yeah we did it and then immediately went back to fighting uh, mm-hmm. which i thought was a lot of fun so yeah i agree with you i thought it was a lot of fun although less sort of way out there than these usually are especially considering the last big hyper Masao thing was a time traveling um you know 45 minute long match yeah after the match it was announced that aja kong will be returning to tokyo joshi to take on super sasadango machine now that's Uh, gonna be some nonsense (laughs) yeah that match is happening august 5th at city circuit not circuit city the shuttered electronics (laughs) chain which i originally thought when i saw the thing i thought circuit city and then i realized it was city circuit um that was announced also announced they will be doing a pay-per-view a a team match from an amusement park that will be happening on august on no on the 27th um, which will be on pay-per-view so that will be coming up but that was really the two big announcements and the next match was aew's nyla rose coming to tokyo joshi for the first time and defeating miyu watanabe in eight minutes and one second um another match i thought was very average didn't really like miyu winning and that's really all the thoughts i had about it Wait, Nyla won. Oh, did I say, sorry, I meant I was not happy about me losing. Did I say winning? Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yes, sorry. you did. No, I, I like, would have been happy if me, I would have been happy if me won. Sorry, I wasn't happy about me losing. Yeah, okay, um, that's fair. I don't I mean, know. Big, just, TK like, probably wasn't going to let his person lose. Well, no, I understand that, but I'm just sort of like, eh. I also thought Miyu, this was like the first match in a long time where I ended the match not thinking, wow, like Miyu looked really great. Yeah. I just thought it was like she didn't like sort of did the swing a little bit. Um, she did it as much as she could. And yeah, you know what? They got it going for a little bit. I give them credit. You know, got some of the slams in, but some of them were like, oh, she's going to do this big move. And then it was like, oh, no, she can't do it. Um, and I don't, there just really wasn't anything to it. Like I wasn't really, it's not part of a story. So it just sort of ended and I was like, okay. Yeah. It was just, it was there. It happened and I'm never going to think about it again. I don't know if we ever like a, um, it's like a rampage match. Very much so. You know? Eight minutes, get in and out. Nothing really of note happens. Yeah. And that's it. 
The next match was our final match uh, featuring a guest, and that would be the Eve title Spirit of Eve rules match, where the champion Miyu Yamashita retained her title over Sawyer Wreck in 11 minutes and 51 seconds. The Spirit of Eve rules, of course, as everyone knows, is that there's no countouts. Um, everyone very familiar with the Eve spirit of Eve rules. Um, definitely. I thought that this sort of got fun near the end. Like I thought the stuff with the chair in the ring was sort of fun. I mean, I wasn't really invested at all. Again, it was like the third of these three very similar matches where I was like, this doesn't really matter. And I don't really care about any of this. Um, and this, I think, was the part of the show where I was sort of like, oh, this show is not really, you know, setting my world on fire here. I'm just sort of, like, watching it and thinking it's fine. I mean, I saw some people who were like, oh, Sawyer, terrible. But I thought she, you know, she hasn't looked great. But I think that she's been served better in Tokyo Joshi than she is in a lot of other places. Um, so just sort of another fine yeah i liked this match more than i think the general consensus is i thought that sawyer looked pretty decent here um it was a good hard-hitting brawl i thought the chair stuff worked for the most part and uh miyu was able to get the skull kick so that was cool so i i had a good time with this i went three and three quarters on it yeah this is the lowest uh, rated match on the show on cage match by um, a, a fairly large margin. Yeah, um, and like, like I don't think it was any like I I thought it was far better than the Nyla Rose Miu match. Yeah, it's at a five point four two. The next closest match above that is a six point four six for the Defy title. And I like this more than that one, too. Like, of the three Gaijin singles matches, I think this was the best by far to me. Yeah, I just... Uh, I, I don't know that I really liked any of them enough to be like, oh, yeah, this one was the best one. I'm like, they all sort of were just sort of shrugs for me. Yeah. The next match was a tag team match. The team, the returning team of Neo Bishikigun, Mesa Michelle, and Saki Sama, defeating Wakana Uihara and Yuki Arai in 12 minutes and 24 seconds. Really loved the finish of Saki Sama pinning Uihara, staring directly at Yuki Arai. I was like, I was like, wow, that's a like. And I think Chris and Balian said it on commentary during, I don't think this match, but another match. But I'm like, wow, some of these Tokyo Joshi finishes, are they're getting like cold. They're like, wow, like pinning, staring directly. You know, we've talked about the submissions where people are really yanking on submissions and things like that. I'm like, yeah, wow, they've really gotten into the, <laughs> you know, um, wild finishes. And of and course, I loved that May was just holding Yuki Arai, like forcing her to watch. She was holding her head so she was facing this pin. It was incredible. 
Uh, but a fun match, and of course, as we all expected, business as usual, nothing's changing with Neo Bishiki Goon. Um, you know, how could anything ever be different with Neo Bishiki Goon? They're going to be the same for the rest of our lives. Yep. Um, it was pointed out um, on uh, dramat on the Dramatic DDT website I was reading their review of the show. They did mention that Saki-sama... Uh, well, actually, Yuki Arai used Saki Akai's finisher um, during the match, her former tag partner as champions. And then Saki-sama used that move as well. So a little nod to Saki Arai, who will be retiring and is Yuki's uh, former tag champion partner. The semi-main event of the show was a title match another title match the international princess title match rika tatsumi defeating yuki aino in 15 minutes and 11 seconds i thought that this was uh really good really felt very tough especially the second half there was at one point rika got a dragon sleeper on that looked like she was gonna rip yuki's head off oh that was so good she was like really leaning back on it and Usually I look at the Dragon Sleeper and I'm like, eh, it's not a great, it's not my favorite finisher, but she was wrenching back on it and I was like, whoa, uh, that looks very painful. And I think at the end of the day, you know, I don't know that Yuki Aino will ever be sort of in the top tier of Tokyo Joshi in ring work. But I think in the past few weeks between this and then the number one contenders match, I think she's had better showings than really she's ever had in my mind. And at least now, moving forward, like this match and moving forward, I think in the past when it would have been like, oh, Yuki Aino's getting a title shot, it's like, oh, okay, she's not going to win. And the match is probably going to be like pretty, you know, three stars, two and a half stars, something like this. But this was another really good match. I went four stars. I thought it was really good. And at least... Yuki is now someone who, if it's like in three months, they're they're saying, oh, she's challenging for the Princess of Princess title. I would be like, oh, that could be a really good match because I feel like this new character, the new outfit or whatever you want to call it, has really given her sort of a boost uh, in terms of everything, you know, sort of the obviously the look with a new costume, but sort of the the outlook and her in-ring stuff i think has gotten a lot better yeah i'm right there with you i went four stars on this one too this really kind of drove home for me how good that rika is at making all of her big matches really feel like a struggle like it felt like it was just this herculean task to beat uk you know and that's that's a good skill to have as a champion. It makes all of your defenses feel much more important. And so and like I think Ayano did really well here too. I think she more than held up her end of things. So I'm I'm excited to see where she goes going forward. So good for her for because I I was very not a fan of her work prior to the past couple of months. So you know what? She turned me around on her. But yeah, overall, really great uh semi main. The main event was for the Princess of Princess title match. The Ito Respect Army explodes. Mizuki 
the champion retaining her title over Maki Ito in 24 minutes and 29 seconds. And this was the match that really took it from, you know, the four-star match in the semi-main. I was like, okay, that's pretty good. This match really was great. I will say, as of right now, as of this moment, it is the highest-rated Tokyo Joshi match of all time on Cage Match. Um, Goddamn. I don't agree with that. I have a couple other matches. Um, the Mizuki, uh, Yuka, the first match they had uh, for the championship, I think would be higher for me. There's also up there is the um, the two Miyu Watanabe matches from the Tokyo Princess Cup last year, which I think would probably be up there. But I thought that this was an excellent match. Um, really great. I thought they did really well with the teasing of the submissions throughout. I think sometimes when you're working a match that has so many submission, you know, reaching for the ropes, things like that, it can sort of get very either repetitive or you're like, oh, of course, this person's going to escape. So I'm just sort of sitting here waiting for them to get to the ropes. But I thought they worked the submissions really well. I thought there were some really tense moments. It was really hard hitting. You could hear the strikes coming through even on the uh, broadcast. And so I thought it was really good. I went four and a half stars. That's right where I am too. Four and a half. Uh, They were just throwing bombs this whole match. That was awesome. It's really amazing how uh, Maki Ito has just evolved as a performer in the past couple of years. Because she's putting in great matches and we kind of just take it for granted now at how good she is from where she came from, which was serviceable. But like I, if you had gone in back in time to a couple of years ago, I would not have imagined that she would be putting on matches like this. Just fantastic work from both women. I thought they did a good job of, you could feel the history between them, but they didn't really hammer you over the head with like callback spots or anything and yeah just incredible work by both of them i loved this easily match of the night i i I wouldn't call it my favorite tokyo joshi match but it's probably in the top 10 i would guess if i had to make a list and i do think this was the right booking decision i'm glad mizuki picked up the win here and i fully expect when Maki Ito eventually has her time as champion that they'll run this back and then Maki Ito will get the win there. Yeah, it's funny because I sort of, I agree that it was the right decision, but I sort of tricked myself in that um, Maki's going to be in GCW on Friday, which is actually a show I'm going to in New York. And she's been announced for the show, but they haven't announced a match for her. Now it's possible that she'll just like come out at some point and do something, which sometimes happens. But in the middle of the match, I was like, is the reason they haven't announced a match for her yet is that she's going to win the title. And then GCW will be like, Hey, new Tokyo Joshi champion. Maki Ito is going to fight. I don't know. Uh, Janai Kai. <laughs> oh my God. Utami is going to become the princess of princess champion. That's right. The true forbidden door between stardom (laughs) and Tokyo Joshi. Um, But yeah, it was the right decision. I really liked, 
you know, Maki talked at the end about how they were in, you know, they were in sort of the Ito uh, respect army. And then she felt like Mizuki, you know, went off, tagged with Yuka, became champion, now is obviously the Princess of Princess champion, and that there was jealousy, but sort of has accepted that she's also strong. And I liked that in the match, there was a moment where late in the match, uh, Mizuki was standing, Maki was sort of pulling herself up on Mizuki, and I thought, okay, this is going to be the moment, the moment that's happened in like every Maki challenge where she does the middle fingers right before she loses. That's been like the staple of the last couple of challenges. She fights really hard. She doesn't have it. She sort of gives the middle finger to be like, ah, you know, and then loses and didn't do that. And I sort of like that as a progression of the character from now not needing to do that, being able to be like, I'm fighting, you know, I didn't win. But I'm not going to just end the match by being like, oh, middle fingers and sort of giving up. Um, so I'd like it's, you know, a very small thing. I think if you didn't, you know, if you weren't regularly watching the matches or you hadn't seen the previous Maki matches, it wasn't like a huge effect on the match. Like if it would have happened, it wouldn't have been like, oh, they, they ruined the match or the match was so much better or whatever. But I just like having those sort of interesting through lines as we see, especially so many Edo challenges now that have sort of fallen by the wayside. Well, that is all for Tokyo Joshi. And before we continue talking about everything else that's happened in the past two weeks of Joshi, we want to tell you all about bet stamp that's right sports betting has rapidly risen in popularity and i want to connect you all with an opportunity to get started and get ahead having multiple sportsbooks accounts is the most simple way to maximize your profits and there has never been a better time to sign up when you visit our page betstampapp vow you'll be connected to all the sportsbooks in your region along with a review of each platform and its unique benefits. All of these sports books have valuable sign-up offers for new users, and when you register through our link, you will automatically receive the top offer at each one. When you use multiple sports books, you ensure that you can always access the best available odds, which is key to successful sports betting. If you want to take advantage of these benefits and support the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network, please consider signing up for your next sports book at betstamp.app slash V-O-W. So what else has been happening in the world of Joshi? Well, there were two New Japan strong shows in Japan with women's action on it. Now, Kelly, did you watch these shows? I did. Did you? I did not. Oh, you should. They're good. They're a good uh, time. I've heard they're very good. I do want to watch them, but they were uh, pay-per-views, uh, which I um, was not going to pay for. So I, they are on my list to watch, <laughs> but I have not watched them yet. 
Yeah, well, they're they're a good time. The main events of them on them are both good. But let's talk about the women's matches. Uh, so night one, which was July fourth, uh, Willow Nightingale and Momokogo defeated Julia and Tekla. Really good match in front of a hot crowd. Uh, it's really kind of amazing how much this accidental title run just gave Willow that little extra something to make her kind of go to the next level as a performer. But yeah, this was a good match. I went three and a half stars on it. Then night two on the fifth, we had the strong women's title match, Julia defeating Willow Nightingale to become the new champion. Uh, this was great. I thought it was really good. The crowd really got behind both of them, but like I was kind of disappointed that uh, Willow lost because again, the, the crowd was behind her. Uh, I mean, it makes sense that Julia is going to win, especially when you look at it as this is like the New Japan and America belts. So you're going to want to have Japanese talent with those belts. So it makes sense. And especially with Julia wanting to come over to the States. Uh, but yeah, I thought they had really good chemistry and the match flowed pretty well. I went three and three quarters on it. Well, also happening in Stardom, they actually just had a Corican Hall show a few hours ago, but also it was announced that Utami would be coming to America for a tour of GCW. One match so far is complete. Um, on Saturday evening, she wrestled Billy Starks. Um, I did watch that match on that show. I would say an uh, enjoyable match, nothing to go out of your way for, but fun to see uh, Utami in a little bit of a different environment and enjoyable if you want to want to watch that. What else has been going on? Seedling had a show on June 28th, highlighted Arisa Nakajima defeating Itsuki Aoki to retain the Beyond the Sea title, and Ayame Sasamura and Riko Kaiju defeating Asuka and Makoto to win the tag titles. That, uh, a very enjoyable match, especially the last few minutes, really pick up, really great action, and a really great moment when Sasamura and Kaiju win the titles uh, very happy for that as someone who has talked for many years at this point on this podcast about people using Sasamura more and Riko Kaiju, obviously the homegrown talent of Seedling winning the title. So that is really great. Oz Academy had a show also on July 9th. The big news there, Mio, the Ozaki Goon ref returning after a long absence, returning in that red uh, referee gear. So happy to see her back. In Wave, the Catch the Wave tournament has now moved on to the winner's tournament. Uh, recently, they had round one of the winner's tournament. Itsuki Aoki, who came in second in the C block, defeating Chie Ozora, who was the winner of the young block. Yuki Miyazaki, who won the Elizabeth block, defeating Kohaku. Saki, defeating Kazuna Tanaka, who was in the young block. And Asuka, defeating Haruka Umasaki. So those four will be in the finals, which we will talk about shortly. But next, I will throw it over to Kelly for 
some Choco Pro news, as well as some news from other places around the world of Joshi. All right, so Choco Pro, uh, Choco Pro 318 from June 29th. The main event of that show was Emi Sakura and Mei Suruga defeating Hagane Shino and Mia Yatsuba. I really like that match. I went four stars on it, so that's worth giving giving a watch. And then on the 5th, they had a big Shinkiba show, but that has not aired yet, so I have not looked at the results. Uh, but I'm assuming that'll air probably within the next week or so, so I'll talk about it next week or next episode. Uh, let's see. Gleet had their second anniversary show on July 1st, where they had a bunch of Joshi stuff. Uh, Michiko Miyagi led her squad of herself, Aoi, Risa Sarah, and Janai Kai to defeat Unagi Sayaka, uh, Yukari Hosikawa, Itsuki Aoki, and Raiden Hagane. Uh, there was a trios match where Chihiro Hashimoto teamed with El Lindemann and Kento Miyahara to defeat Flamita, Kataro Suzuki, and Yutani. That's a fire pro match if I've ever heard one. And then in the uh, UWF half of the show, Maya Fukuda defeated Azusa Inaba. I liked that match quite a bit. I went three and a half stars on it. Uh, if you like the UWF stuff, check that one out. Uh, then we had the Baka Gaijin and Friends Volume 6, the main event of that one, had Vaney defeating uh, Masa Takanashi in a good match. And then in 0-1, I don't believe either of these two matches have aired, though I saw clips of the first one. Uh, we have Unagi's Fire Festival matches. On the second and Fire Festival Night 2, Mizuki Watase defeated Unagi via knockout. Uh, the clips that I saw looked really brutal. Uh, Watase just wrecking Unagi with a shoot headbutt and then KOing her with a forearm strike. Uh, and then the night three on the seventh, Masato Tanaka defeating Unagi. The only clip of that match I've seen was Tanaka doing the splash to the outside through the table on Unagi. So she's having a great time over in Zero One. I'm hoping that those make tape because I would like to watch those matches. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I have no idea what zero one's airing schedule is. Yeah. But who knows if we'll ever see any of them. Uh, yeah. But so that is everything that has happened in the last two weeks of Joshi. But what is coming up? Well, the biggest thing that is coming up is the beginning of stardom's five-star grand prix the opening night will be on july 23rd and the card is as follows mayu iwatani will take on hazuki suri will take on suzu suzuki tom nakano will face sayakamitani natsupoi and starlight kid will face off amisore and natsuka tora julia versus sayori no utami versus mina Mirai versus Momo Watanabe, Azumi versus Mariah May, and Micah versus Hanan. Kelly, what is your most anticipated match for night one of the five star Grand Prix? That's hard. This is a stacked show. Um I think I want to go with Siri and Suzu. I think that'll be a really good, really interesting styles clash. That would, that would have probably been my pick. So I'll go different than you, and I will say Azumi and Mariah May. I'm very interested to see 
how Mariah May performs. Now she's comfortable in stardom, but it is her first, obviously, five-star Grand Prix. So interested to see how she performs. And of course, always a big fan of Azumi. So that should be good. And we're already back in five-star Grand Prix season. Uh, right back in it. But that is not the only tournament that is starting in the next two weeks. Tokyo Joshi's Tokyo Princess Cup will have three days of first round matches on the 15th, 16th, and 17th. Those matchups are not determined yet. Um, as of the time we're recording, they are streaming the lottery on YouTube, I believe sometime on Monday. So maybe by the time this comes out, they will have already been drawn, but are not drawn at this point. So we'll be interested to see what happens there. Sendai Girls has a show from Corican Hall on July 16th, headlined by Asuka versus Millie McKenzie for the Sendai Girls title. But also on that show, Chihiro Hashimoto will take on Stardom's Natsupoi in the semi-main. Dash Chizaka returns to take on Hiroyo Matsumoto. And then in a very cool tag match. Mika Iwata and Miyuki Takase will take on Sayori Ano and Sari coming back to Sendai Girls. Ice Ribbon has a show on July 17th. Makoto and Hamakahoshi will take on Hikari Minami and Hinata for the tag titles. And Totoro Satsuki will defend her Ice Infinity title once again against Gambari's Yuri. Diana has a show on July 18th celebrating Jaguar Yakota's 47th anniversary. The main event will be Jaguar Yakota and Aja Kong teaming together to face Mayumi Ozaki and Kyoko Inoue. Also on that show, a very uh, fun-looking three-way match, Sari against Asuka against Unagi Sayaka. That one should be fun. And a match for Kelly on the show, Risa Sarah, Akane Fujita, and Takashi Sasaki will take on Drake Morimatsu, Mochi Natsumi, and Jun Kasai in a hardcore match there. I got really scared when I was reading that match at first because I thought it was going to be Drake Younger. <laughs> no, he's I retired, like, oh, no. I believe, now. I, believe I think so, but you, you never know. You never know. <laughs> Yeah, Diana said, who do we really need for this? Uh, who's really been influential on the career of Jaguar Yakota? They said, oh, I know, Drake Younger, former NXT referee. Uh, get, get him over here with our big budget. We have to fly in uh, foreign talent. Uh, and then finally, the Catch the Wave finals will be happening on July 17th. The two matches, Yuki Miyazaki against Asuka. Itsuki Aoki against Saki. The winner of those two matches will face off in the finals on that show. Also on that show, Hikaru Shida will return to team with Saki Akai to take on Kazuna Tanaka and Hanaka uh, in a tag match. So an interesting team there. Maybe Hikaru Shida doing some late uh, recruiting to try and get Saki Akai into AEW. Uh, yeah, maybe there. maybe this is what'll convince her to sign that contract. <laughs> but that is everything happening in the next two weeks, so we'll have plenty to talk about 
on the next show, but I will throw it over to Kelly now for his traditional end of the show segment. I don't have any movies to recommend because I've been playing a lot of Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. I got this ma- this uh, game a little later than everyone else just because I wasn't super excited about it. And I think the marketing on it was kind of bad because the marketing was essentially just like, hey, you remember that last game? It's that. But we added a little bit extra and I was like, yeah, I played that game. I don't need to play it again. But you know what? Enough is new in this one. I'm having a real good time with it. I'm going around solving shrines, building shit. It's a good time. If you got a Switch, check it out. Well, I've been way behind. I have been playing Legend of Zelda The Minish Cap. Oh. Uh, on my Switch, on the uh, Game Boy Advance emulator on my uh, Nintendo Switch. So I'm way behind because I started playing Breath of the Wild to be like, oh, let me play through it again so then I can play Tears of the Kingdom. But then I started playing Minish Cap, and I've really enjoyed it. Nice. I, I really enjoy having those, uh, the Game Boy Advance and all the, the older games, just whenever I want to play them, just fire up my Switch, and there they are. Yeah, they're great. Uh, they're great, just like this episode of Jumping Bomb Audio has been great. You know and what? You're right. I, When I'm right, I'm right. And I'm right about that. We have loved being with you, and we will be with you again in two weeks to talk more, Joshi. So until then, goodbye. Bye, everybody. Hello. Do you like New Japan Pro Wrestling? Are you a Shin Nihon freak? If so, check out the Super Jcast with Joel and Damon on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. And even if you fucking hate New Japan Pro Wrestling, listen to the Super Jcast anyway. Not just for our great show reviews, analysis, and pastrami sandwiches, mm-hmm. but there's also usually some dick jokes somewhere in the obligatory opening 30 minutes of absolute nonsense we chat about every single week. That's the Super Jcast for all the best talk about New Japan Pro Wrestling, crisps, and pornography.